0: So, Dinus, it's great to be um, with you uh, this evening. My name's Matt, Uh, I've been here for about four years, Uh, married to Rachel, got a little boy called Jesse, who has just turned um, one, Um, so good to be with you as we start to talk about Advent and prepare ourselves for the the Christmas period um, that we're approaching. I guess before we really dive in, I just wanna talk about expectation. We're really gonna be thinking today about expectation. What do we think? Uh, Jesus is going to change, and so really, as we um, are at this point before we get to the wise men or the shepherds, um, Mary giving birth, is actually what are we expecting Jesus to change? And I want to say that to us: whether we've been a Christian our whole life, whether we're um, maybe we've done an Alpha course, we've started the journey, or we're actually not sure yet, and we just dialed into an online service, maybe because it'll be easier to do that, and it's a great way of kind of exploring what it might be about. But either way, I want us all to put ourselves in that position of, I'm about to encounter Jesus. What's, what's maybe going to change? And as I was thinking about this, um, driving over here, I thought that we're in a situation right now uh, where there is a, kind of a risk of a terrible uh, disease rooting itself in our lives and in our society. But perhaps not the one that we're hearing about in the news. Perhaps there's a risk. Of a disease of lethargy getting into our lives, into our spiritual lives, where we lower our expectations of what Jesus is about and what he's capable of doing by the power of his Holy Spirit in our lives. But that's the real risk that we face. And that however severe the crisis the world is facing is right now, that the stakes are even higher here, we believe, as Christians. that There's an eternal dimension to these questions. And that actually right now, we may not be together, I may not be in your living room, although I sincerely hope it feels like I am. But that actually we are in relationship with a living God who can cross that divide no problem at all. Because he crossed the divide of death to bring us back into relationship with him. And so I guess I want to raise your expectation as we come to um, the Gospel. We're going to be reading from John 1, so um, do get a Bible loaded up. But I just want to challenge you. What is your expectation? What do you think Jesus is going to change? Maybe he's already made some change. Maybe he hasn't. But regardless of your position, my belief is that there's so much more that he wants to do. So much more work that he wants to do. I guess it's easy at Christmas to focus on the things that happen uh, and the way we know the story goes. We know, we know, kind of know what happens, even if it's, even perhaps we're not a Christian. But I want us to step back from that and say, well, what are my expectations? How far am I willing to let this change go? So I'm going to read John 1, uh, verses 9 to 13, and then we're going to pray. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Let's pray. Father, I just want to start by saying that um, you are so in control. You are sovereign. You are supreme above all things regardless of what we see around us right now we know that you have never left your throne you're still in control we give you our hearts right now would you mold us Would your spirit speak to us in power right now we have expectation in our hearts that you are you are on the move you want to cut lethargy away you want to restore us by your spirit and so as we explore what you are going to change in our lives lord god Would you speak in power to us, we pray. Amen. So as we think a little bit more about expectations, before we kind of get into the text, I just want to think about um, what are expectations like in your life? And how are they shaped? Because I think our expectations are really a product of a few other things. So I think one of them is naivety, often. We probably all felt a little bit naive at the outset, eight or nine months ago, thinking that um, we'll probably be out of this in a couple of months. And in hindsight, that probably feels pretty naive. It probably felt even more naive in World War I, when people said this will be over by Christmas. There's probably some wisdom for us to learn from that. But our expectation can often not meet the reality that comes. It can be less. But secondly, we also project expectation. And we have expectation projected onto us by others. I I didn't have this, but maybe you had parents who had very specific expectations for your life. And you may have met those, and you may not have met those. But either way, there's probably a feeling that where you are is with reference to where they are. uh, To what they were expecting of you. And And thirdly, our expectations are shaped by our context. We've seen in America recently how this incredibly politically polarised landscape, much like the one we saw with the Brexit vote over here, has just shown how different people's expectations can be based on where they are, where they're coming from, what their experiences have been to date. And so I guess I want to start by saying, as we think about what our expectations are of Jesus, that these are things which are limited by our knowledge, they're limited by our desires and our context. And that ultimately impacts what we expect and what we are willing to let Jesus change. So I'm going to make three points, really, this evening. We're going to talk about what are we expecting Jesus to change in our life. We're going to talk about what are we expecting Jesus to change in the world. And then lastly, what are we expecting him to change in our hearts, which is the real kind of nuts and bolts of what we're talking about. So as we start looking at what is Jesus going to change in our life. I want us to think, I guess, not about where you are right now, but what you expect to change moving forwards. Because when we think of the difference Jesus can make to our life, I think often we can just think about end destination. I'm a Christian because I want to go to heaven. And sure, that's part of it. I think also it can be vocational, what you're doing in the nine to five, whether that's um, working in an office or looking after children or being retired or whatever you're doing. It can, our our kind of expectations can often be, what difference is Jesus going to make in those hours of the day? I think it can also be material. What difference is Jesus going to make to my circumstances, what I have, what I do not have? But But if we start by looking at verse nine here in John one, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It gives light to everyone. That's the offering. And so what that means is that Jesus is wanting to bring hope into our lives and he's wanting to expose the darkness or the evil that is in the world. And that that light ultimately guides everything. That Jesus came to illuminate the path before us. And so as we start to think of Jesus as he came into the world as a baby boy, let's think about how he was coming to bear a light, just as the wise men followed a light in the sky, a star to find him. And you probably know that John uses um, this word in, in the start of John 1. He talks about Jesus in the Greek as the logos. And that word can have a few different meanings. One of them is the kind of reason. Another one actually is expectation. But thirdly and most commonly and kind of correctly for this text, it's often interpreted as the word. And that's why we read in the beginning was the word, the start of the gospel. And I guess I wanna tie that up with something from the Psalms where David in Psalm 119, verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so I guess if we think of that word, prophetically, that word is the logos, which is Jesus. Tie those things together. Jesus is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. When we're on that pathway of life, he is the light illuminating, exposing the darkness and bringing hope. So it's not just about provision, but it's actually about perspective. And I think a great example of this is when we look at the, um, as we now know him, the Apostle Paul, when he was known as Saul, on the road to Damascus, which you can read about in Acts 9. It says in verse 3 that suddenly a light came from heaven as uh, as Saul was on this road to Damascus. And and just a chapter before this, we see him watching on, approving, as one of the early Christians, Stephen, is stoned for proclaiming the name of Jesus. But suddenly, this light comes from heaven. And pretty much in an instant, Saul's life is changed. I keep calling him Paul. You know how the story ends, hopefully. But what happens is several things change. One, his name does change to Paul, which is redeeming for the mistakes that I've just made. But secondly, his objectives completely turned 360. or well, it would have to be 180, otherwise he'd end up back where he was. His objectives completely changed. He went from looking to persecute the Christians to do everything he could to incubate the message and spread the message that they had as far as possible around the world. And his influence ultimately was perhaps the greatest of any of the apostles in that regard. He went from killing to preaching for the gospel. And he also, in the immediate term, changed his destination He went and was called to the house of Ananias, who spoke over him, who prayed for him. And in verse 17, we hear that Paul is filled with the spirit as Ananias prays with him. And that his whole perspective changes and it's like scales were falling from his eyes, having been blinded by that light on the path. And so what I want to start by saying is that Jesus wants to bring light to even the most secret corners of your life even the darkest area, perhaps that sin that your partner or your family or your friend doesn't know about, that area of mess that you don't quite want anyone to deal with. You haven't even given it to Jesus and I want to say that Jesus wants to expose that. He wants to put light across your whole life but will you let him do that? Secondly, what are you expecting Jesus to change in the world around us? Especially at a time like now where there is just so much going on it's almost impossible to digest what we're experiencing. What are you expecting Jesus to change? Perhaps you think the message of Jesus should make us kinder. Perhaps you think his example should make us less selfish and I'd agree. I guess At the time of the Gospels writing there was an expectation that if Jesus was going to be the Messiah that he would do some quite specific things and there was a school of thought that the Messiah would very much be a kingly figure not born in a humble manger in a stable but perhaps born in a palace with authority on his name from day one and that perhaps he would summon a revolt against the Roman ruling authorities. And that had actually happened about 160 years before in what's known as the the Maccabean Revolt for the uh, Wikipedia munchers amongst you. Check it out. There was this expectation that perhaps Jesus would be that sort of Messiah. He would take control. But what I want to say is that Jesus came to change the world from within despite the world's heart and despite the world's expectations and despite the world's willingness or lack thereof to change. So note this in verse 10 and 11. John says, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I just want to actually just just feel like God's also saying there, um, have you received him? Um, Are you at risk of rejecting him? He wants, he wants to be in your heart and if you haven't done that I encourage you to, to step out and welcome him in. But the, the point really here is that even though Jesus deserved a seat of honour he was willing to be humbled and as we read in Colossians take on the, the being and the nature of a servant that he was ultimately unknown and yet he changed the world through how he served it and in Colossians 1:16, it says that ultimately this is the guy in whom all things were created. And yet there he is, we know, in a manger. And in verse 20, that through him, God would reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Jesus came to change the world in a way that was not just temporary, but in a way that would echo through the ages, echo in eternity. He might have had a humble birth, but his mission was totally global and totally eternal and totally personal in scope. And that's why a couple of chapters later we get that classic John 3.16 verse saying that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. You see, Jesus came for everyone because all of us have messed up. All of us have got stuff wrong. He's not just trying to change a bit of our life, as we've just talked about. And he's not just trying to change bits of the world. The message of the gospel is so potent that we should expect it to change the landscape that we live in. We should expect it to change the heart of the nation that we live in. To change the hearts of the people that are making the decisions in the nation. As we call people back, back to the name of the Lord. And so what I want to say is we're called to be part of that movement, But that's what being a Christian is. Christianity was, was known as the way in the early days. And you're called to be part of that way, that way that is illuminated by the light that we've read about. But again, my question is, are you in? And lastly, what are you expecting Jesus to change in your heart? Because whatever we practice, whatever we do, whatever structures we put in place in society as Christians, It's all for nothing if our hearts aren't able to change into the likeness of Jesus's and if others aren't able to as well, because that's the message. And we know that Jesus rejected legalism and kind of visible box ticking throughout his ministry. We we know that he spoke strongly against the Pharisees who had a position, a far higher position than the position Jesus was born into in society as the lawmakers and the law keepers. And Jesus saw this hypocrisy, the double standards with which they lived their lives, and he hated that. And I guess my point is that it's easy for us to kind of go through the motions, kind of buying into this stuff, maybe dialing into a church service, maybe going to a life group, without really letting it transform our hearts, without really letting the Holy Spirit in to do that work, to kind of discipline and renew us and bring new life. Verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Not of the natural descent, i.e., not the path that we were going down, not the path of Adam that we've all followed in sin, but pulling us out of that, from glory to glory. And we are given that right in spite of our mistakes and in spite of our repeated selfishness and definitely my repeated selfishness and pride and ambition and belief that I can sort stuff out on my own when I just can't. And so that's why Paul, who we've met already this evening, says in uh, Romans eight seventeen that if we are children of God, then we are heirs, heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. That the opportunity in Christianity is to be adopted into this truth, into this light, into this relationship with a living and a true God. And so when we read that we are now born of God, that's basically what happens when someone is baptised in a church. It's that symbolising new life, that they're resurrected with Jesus. And Louis spoke last week about the character of Ezekiel, and he says in, in uh, chapter 36, 26, he says, I will give you a new heart. This is the Lord speaking through him. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that is what Jesus came to do. He came to do something real within us. A living, beating, new fleshly heart that burns with passion for his name above all other names. And so that means that Jesus wants to change the desires of our heart that aren't about him, that aren't about running after him. And that's not by us striving. That's not by us just trying harder, doing another thing. It's actually by allowing his spirit to critique us. It's by opening up his word and saying, like, what is wrong? What am I not letting you transform? What am I still withholding? Where am I keeping my darkness and not letting your light in? and just letting his spirit in. If you've not done that, I just invite you, even just right now, as I kind of got a few minutes left here, just in your heart, just say, I want your spirit within me, God. Send your Holy Spirit right now, right now, to transform me and give me that heart of flesh for the first time or again. I was reflecting on this myself and um, I think it was only probably when I was in my early 20s that I really started to think about how much of my faith um, was box ticking and uh, motion going through um, and how, how often I was missing the point. How often I was forgetting to be kind, forgetting to give the heart of Jesus to the people around me, forgetting to let him transform um, the, my, my thoughts, the darkness in my mind and in my heart. And it's only over time as I kind of read and and spend time on his word and invite him to just keep working in me that I start to see that there's just so much more. There is that life in all its fullness available as a Christian. And so I guess if if you don't feel you've had that yet, I just, you know, compel you. Do Do not think that you've had the real deal yet then. Ask for more. Ask for his spirit to do the work. And it's not, I guess there's a warning here that it's not necessarily going to be easy being heirs. I think we often think being an heir sounds lovely. You know, if you're going to inherit half the property in London or something like that, then great, life being an heir is good. But it can be challenging. The second half of Romans 8, says that these says these, uh, that this kind of glory that we will get becoming children, becoming heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ will happen if we share in his sufferings, in order that we may share in his glory and we know that the character of Paul also had to have that willingness. God spoke to Ananias before uh, Paul, formerly Saul, arrived and he said I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. This is one of those characters who's perhaps held on a pedestal as one of the people who God has done some of the most work ever through and he needed to be willing to suffer for his name. But Jesus will go with us on that journey even when we are called to suffer we already know that he's walked that path to Calvary already and we know that there's a hope. John 1 verse 5 just before this passage says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and Jesus says later on in John's gospel I have overcome the world. So I guess despite the restrictions we're facing right now, despite the limitations that we've got in us, I wanna remind us that as I prayed at the beginning, Jesus is still on the throne. And he's still capable with his spirit to change your heart. So as we brace for impact uh, at the outset of Advent, looking ahead to this amazing story, What are you expecting Jesus to change in your life? What are you expecting him to change in your world and in your heart? Are you expecting to be able to live in the perspective of that light? And in the world, are you expecting to see souls saved as we live with urgency for the message that we've been given? And you expecting, above all else, to have an entirely new heart, that is offered to him is on the altar. It's a sacrifice, I give it to you, God. You do the work. And so as, as, we, as we wind up here, I just wanna say that at Christmas, often we end up focusing on Jesus and that's the right thing to do. But let's not forget what happens uh, maybe 30, 33 odd years later, that the Holy Spirit comes and we live in the age of that. We live in the age of Pentecost, that the Spirit is with us. We believe that at this church, that the Holy Spirit is at work within us. And so we're not just looking at this Jesus character from afar, but we're invited to have him within us, Christ, the hope of glory in our hearts. So I just encourage you where you are at home to um, close your eyes. And uh, you might wanna put your hands out in front of you just as a kind of posture of receiving from God. And I think there might be a few of us who are struggling with that idea of just complete surrender. And we just want to give it all to Jesus. We want to hold nothing back. We want to let him just change the whole landscape in front of us. But we're just struggling. It's a control thing, I think. And I just think his spirit just wants to break that right now. And the second, second kind of group of people is that I think a lot of us feel like we've got very high expectations on us. And if the weight is on us. It's a heavy load. And so I'm just going to pray into that as we finish. Father, we thank you that Jesus came to just change everything, to change our eternal destiny, to change our lives and the world and um, the desires of our hearts. And for the people right now, Lord, as, as, as they listen to this, that are thinking, I wanna really surrender to Jesus. I wanna, I wanna lay myself down for him like he's laid himself down for me on the cross. I just pray, Holy Spirit, come in power. You can go everywhere. You can go into all these homes. Come in power and pray that you be physically felt right now, Lord. And that any burden of this world, any expectations, stresses, maybe things that people are worrying about for the week ahead, that you cut them away in your name, Jesus. And you just remind us, we've got a heart of flesh now that pounds for you. So Lord, we surrender to your plans and your purposes. Thank you. Thank you that we get to spend this time in expectation knowing that good news is on the way amen